crazy. I'm Chelsea. I'm Evan. And I'm Tretzigrum. And I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And so this podcast was born to shed light on disorders of all shapes and sizes. Destigmatize, entertain, and educate. Yeah, because we can laugh at ourselves sometimes, right? Sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, definitely. We can laugh at ourselves, but no one else can. But you guys can laugh at us a little bit when we invite it. If we don't laugh at ourselves, then uh, then what are we doing here? Fair enough. We're doing great, actually, <laughs> yes, which is also which is the tattoo I just got when I was uh, in New Orleans recently. We'll have to, we'll have a to post a picture to the, you know, to the page. It's very, I feel like it's very uh, appropriate for this podcast. That's true. We must remind That's, ourselves that, that we're doing great. We're doing great. And it is actually, or well, wait, let me consult our producer, Kent. Are we going to post this this month, do you think? Will this be in May? Okay, so May is Mental Health Month. So happy Mental Health Month, everybody! Yes, happy, men- happy Mental Health Month. Yeah, it's not even awareness. That's why I. I is it not awareness? It's not Mental Health Awareness <laughs> Month. It's just mental, just general, yeah. just a general reminder. If you don't that have one, get one. <laughs> not like mental health. Uh, you know, get checked out. There, like, it seems there's no real purpose to it. It's no, just, it's, it's, it's here. just, That's it's it. here. Never forget, hashtag. All right, should we get to our guest? Our guest is right here Stephanie Schroeder, who uh, is going to be talking to us about uh, various disorders, including uh, depression and uh, also Tourette's. And Tourette, finally. We, we have know. another Tourette'er here. Tourette. Evan always gets the OCDers, <laughs> which I have a touch of as well. How about you? Any sure, OCD of stuff? course. Yeah, a little, a little of this, a <laughs> little of that, a little column A, a little column B. Just a smattering of disorders. You're a rich tapestry. I like it. And Stephanie has a book, uh, Beautiful Rex, Sex, Lives, and Suicide. Amazing. Which you should definitely check out. And that was how, um, when, when was that published? 2012. Okay. All right. So it's been out for a minute. Is it also an ebook, Stephanie? It is an ebook. <gasps> is it an audiobook? No. Oh, you should do an audiobook. I should. You have a lovely voice for, for audiobooks. I would have someone else read it. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you wouldn't yes. do it? No. Oh, I think that would be so much more fun and personal. You could, <laughs> or like, or it is it too flavor. personal? Is that because uh, oh, I, I can imagine well, that I've might read, be. You know. Well, I've read from it in various places, and okay. I think mm-hmm. I could do that, but uh, I think I would like a different voice. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. So, so start us at the beginning. Well, at the beginning, I had, I had Tourette's syndrome, and I developed it when I was like 11, 12, and it first started with eye rolling. Oh, so the, okay, that was yeah. like, that's a little or, bit later to develop yeah, it. Yeah, and um, eye rolling, and somebody on the bus, school bus at rural Wisconsin, was teasing me, and like kinda, I didn't really notice it until yeah. that time. Interesting. And then it kind of, you know, continued from there and mm-hmm. it was like you know stretch mouth stretching neck stretching and um living in the midwest and having german stoic parents <laughs> kind of no one no except for that one time of being teased on the bus nobody really even mentioned it so do you think you may have had tics for years prior and just not really yeah. been bothered by it yeah and I, until yeah. somebody mentioned it, i think i that didn't even, it, it didn't even occur to me and then it did it did get much much worse okay and again nobody even acknowledged that i had, that anything was going on which was weird because i'm like this is going on but right. No one's and your parents anything. were unaware of, of what it could be, so they just passed it off as yeah, any other. If we ignore it, it it's yeah. not really and happening. Even you know, if they're very liberal people, and they're just like, okay, this is what she is and how she is. Okay. So it was it was a good thing and a bad thing because I developed 
as a person knowing that I guess it was okay, but like I also knew something's, you know, quote unquote wrong. Sure. And actually, the TSA at that time had at like two o'clock in the, the morning. Tread Syndrome Association, yes, not the uh, travel. What is transit it even? Something. Yeah, transit. I'm like, I don't even know what. <laughs> Homeland <laughs> Security, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so the Tread Syndrome Association used to have um, public service announcements at like 2 a.m. Huh. And Richard, what's his name? Shatner. William Shatner was William their Shatner. spokesperson at the time. Oh. Really? Yes. I don't remember I know. this. When well, was this? Come on, How many years much ago? younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> much, much. No. <laughs> and you know, it was like write in for your thing, and we'll give you a list of local doctors. Huh. And I wrote in. I got the I got the list of local doctors. They were in Milwaukee. I lived outside of Milwaukee, in okay. a small southeastern town in Wisconsin. But I was like petrified. I was like 12, 13, 14 years old. Well, yeah. What am I going to do? Bring this to my parents? Hey, I think I need to go to the doctor because I think I have Tourette's. Like, how did you though even come to land on Tourette at that age? I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I guess I was diagnosed much younger. So mm-hmm. probably, I guess I essentially grew up always knowing about it because I was diagnosed right. when I was like four or five. But if had I not been diagnosed, I feel like at 11, 12, 13, I would have never even necessarily heard of Tourette. So how did you make the connection? I, I don't know. I think I just saw that commercial over and over yeah. and over again. And huh. then I'm like, hmm, and you know, describing the symptoms and stuff. Wow. I was like, hmm, maybe I have that. Because I actually wasn't like officially diagnosed till I was 28 so oh wow yeah. so I went the whole time just not really knowing so at least so it sounds like you didn't go that long from the time that you were aware of your tics right, right. you didn't go that long wondering well what is this does it have a name does it like does I, I mean I, I thought it was probably Tourette's but not sure, sure. And, you know and nobody talked about it so what happened how did you essentially did you end up going to one of the doctors yeah, I did. I mean, it was, it's a long, complicated story, but a, a psychiatrist diagnosed me. Finally diagnosed you. How long were you before you were officially diagnosed, Evan? Uh, probably until about 19 or 20, because I was in college and OCD. and I mean, anything, that's the thing. When you're in high school or college, especially when you're on your own, it's, it's really difficult to... Uh, you're, at, at a certain point, you're like, I think I might have this, and I think it's deeply disrupting my life. Yeah. Right. Like, I know you mentioned in the book just how exhausted you were at the end oh, of every day. Oh, sure. Yeah. From suppressing it and from, from or we'll talk, from doing, talk, speak from, to it about it. Yeah, from making, doing the movements yeah. and also suppressing it and yeah. also pretending like it was something else. People would always ask me, hey, are you wearing contacts? Do your eyes itch? You know, because, you know, mm-hmm. the whole deal. Mm, the whole rigmarole. Um, that yeah. old chestnut. Yeah. And what, it, I mean, in, you know, the couple of other times on this podcast, we've talked about how people with tread get so good at making up an excuse totally. or a reason or explaining it away and I it just becomes second nature and I don't think or you know I'd love to hear your take on it for me it wasn't that I necessarily wasn't like I was ashamed of it or I mean of course there's a little of that especially when you're younger and especially when you're first sort of easing into like okay I have this thing and also everyone thinks it's a weird disorder so I guess I'm weird but I didn't even necessarily feel so much shame and embarrassment. I think for me, nine times out of ten, it was just I just didn't want to get into it. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. I have something in my eye. Whatever, whatever works Whatever's for you. Because I just yeah. don't really want to get into it with you right now. No, and that's how it was for me. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, I didn't want to get into it. And but but I, there was some shame, and especially coming from the Midwest, where mm-hmm. 
again, nothing's talked about. You know, let's pretend like let's move sure. everything over. But the thing is, coming to New York and writing the MTA, talk about, you know, TSA, MTA, <laughs> and having little kids stare at me and point at me and yes. say stuff. I just kind of got immune to it. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm your, like, I'm your source of laughter on this trip. Great. You, Great. You're having fun. I'm glad you're having <laughs> fun on the subway. Right. That's a great attitude. You know, I'm glad you're having fun on the subway. So, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, at some point, it, it's, it well, doesn't matter. What was, like, one of the... Is there a time that stands out in your mind as like one of the most either embarrassing, frustrating, humiliating, anything that you're like? There was, there's one, only one really totally humiliating thing. And that was when I was in high school, a teacher who I hated anyway, <sighs> sent me to the nurse. She said, you know, she just sent me to the nurse. And, and according to people left back in the classroom after I went to the nurse, she made fun of me. And this is an adult woman. No. Who, like, I mean, it might be a junior. It was supposed to be you caring of yeah. children. Yeah, so she made fun of me. And, wow. Yeah, so this was reported to me. And the nurse called my parents and said, you know, do you know your daughter does this? And they're like, yes. So, yes, like, we know yeah, she does. Like, we yes, know. what do you want Thanks. us to do? Yeah, <laughs> right. And I'm shocked how many teachers, I mean, in a lot of what we try to do with the local Tourette Association chapters, so many teachers and administrators are misinformed which i mean to the there are lots of disorders it's not as you know if you hadn't been had personal experience with it right. sure of course you're not going to go know the ins and outs of every single disorder dysfunction but even we've had experiences or you know i've talked to children who are involved with our association and they can speak to experiences where like even after the parents have intervened and said, you know, you know, Susie has Tourette, this is what mm-hmm. it is, still they'll get in trouble, they'll get sent to the principal. It's just it's incredible. And it's dark because you think if a teacher is sending you to the nurse, then she knows that something's wrong. It's not right. just you're goofing around right. and then she's making fun of you. That's and that thinking that it's not gonna to get back to you right. from yeah. the other students. Right. But yeah, that was only you know, the the subway was just after a while just funny, but that right, was like an adult, like making fun of me. That was kind of criminal. That's when it gets right. well, right? And especially when, ugh. yeah, I, the weird, the only thing that stands out in my mind, I feel like for me, it's just like waves of like low grade sort of just annoyance and embarrassment. Like there's not really one time other than I'm like sometimes on the subway, people will like hand me a tissue if I'm kind of like coughing or doing that or doing like sniffing, mm-hmm. little, little things like that where you're just kind of like. If that's the right. worst thing that's going to happen to me today, I guess I'm doing okay. But Well, it's like the OCD where people just are like, God, you wash your hands a lot. And it's they're like, you know, you don't have to keep doing that. I'm like, you think? <laughs> I, I know I know, but that's not how it works. You You're know? like, it's, oh my God, all this time I was yeah, just I waiting just decided, for yeah, you yeah. to remind me that I don't have to do that. Right. Thank you. My right. life is in place. Right. It's not right. a logical thing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So then, okay, so you eventually, well, it sounds like it took many years. You eventually were diagnosed with Tourette. Um, And it seems like right now, or at least, are you sort of in like a waning period? Are you, or it seems like I've noticed you taking... I'm on a ton of medication. Oh, for for the Tourette? Well, first I was on medication for Tourette, just a little, some Haldol and... Clonopin, um, which is no joke, Haldol. I mean, like, yeah. you have to keep an eye on. No, yourself, I don't take right? it anymore. Okay. But like, this was you know twenty five years, years ago, ago when yeah. they use when that and, and it's an antipsychotic, a very right. heavy duty one that exactly. now is used only for elderly people and yes. like, I don't know who else to sedate people in yep. somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. It's, so I was on legit. that, and um, then um, years later, I um, had a psychotic break and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. 
And now I'm on enough medication for that that it's the same it's the same kind of malfunclonopin, oh, monobilify, and those two are just like that combination of Haldol and clonopin. So it's so you're a, sort of by as a byproduct also yeah. treating the tread, even though yeah. interesting. Oh, just that's interesting. By happenstance. I mean, sometimes it comes out and I'm, you know. Sure. But yeah, it's waning, as you say. And that's the other thing, too. People don't realize that no, that nothing's ever 100% cured. No. No. It's always rumbling under the surface. It surface. Um, yeah, my tread has been like really, really on the upswing lately. And I'm not exactly sure why, but when, you know, speaking about it feeling exhausting, that's mm-hmm. what I've been saying that to my friends a lot recently and to where they're like, you know, even they've been pointing out after I say something about it, like I'll say, I can't, you know, I don't think I'm going to meet up tonight. I'm just very exhausted. And I think like being around people sort of, at, you know, makes me tick more. And I just think I really need to get home. I'm just like feeling Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted, you know, and they're like, yeah, we've noticed actually that you've been like ticking more and is everything okay or whatever. And I'm like, I, it's nice to I don't know what to tell you. Oh, absolutely. Alex, yeah, Completely. That's... But I think it's also interesting when, or when I was describing it that way, that was sort of interesting to them and they were intrigued and asked right. more. They're like, oh, is it, you know, because you're taking so much? And I'm like, yeah, it's a combination of everything. It's right. a combination of like trying to hold it in. And, but, um, so then how did the rest of your diagnoses come about? It's a long, drawn-out story, but the short... That's why we're here. I know, I know. That's why we're here. I mean, the shorter version is um, the person who diagnosed me was a psychiatrist that I worked with at at a homeless shelter on Wards Island in New York City. And we ended up being romantically involved. And um, then, you know, of course, we moved in together, and it became a very abusive relationship. and I was very, very depressed during that time because it was abusive. Sure. I also went to law school and finished. Bizarre, wow, just bizarre. BT dubs. I know, by the way. And also <laughs> have $200,000 in student loan no. debt. It's a whole nother thing. Oh, God. So this, so we were together for 10 years until I left her. And um, when I left, I think it just kind of all came to a head. And... I had a psychotic break, and I actually, the the funny thing is, I wrote all over the walls of my new apartment, these fresh white walls, and I wrote over with blue grease pencil, and I I was living with someone else at that time. I just rolled into one relationship to another. Um, and she came home and it's like all over the walls. I was right? like, what are you Crazy doing? Crazy shit over there. Can I say that? You can, uh, you say, can that, say whatever you want. It's podcast. Yeah. It's not those seven words I can't say. No, no, no exactly. not at all. Um, so what, well, but, that was going to be, or go ahead. Evan, oh, no, I was just going to say, what's interesting is that be, people think, because this is somebody who's a trained professional to understand psychiatric behavior, but in a personal relationship was not... So she's not it, supportive at all. Yeah, you know, actually used, and you read my book, and Evan, and she used a lot of her psychiatric jargon and lingo and knowledge against me by saying, "I think you're a paranoid schizophrenic. I think you're paranoid. I think you're this. Oh I think my you're that." God, it's like I think I'm just having a problem with you being abusive right, right, right. right now. Right, you know, I mean, and I don't think she was even picking up on anything right sure. and it's like a vicious oh, cycle it's just totally. the abuse making it worse and yeah and i was i mean i just like didn't and talk about the law school thing i didn't go half the time i barely graduated i didn't pass the bar thank goodness i don't <laughs> want to be a lawyer um does she still practice do you think yeah she does oh my god it's insane i know and you know i had she was always very good with clients but right again like you said in her the personal, personal life, life right. yeah like just would you I'm curious to know or as much as you feel comfortable speaking to it so when you say you had the psychotic break what so you're writing on the walls 
do you remember how much of it do you remember how much of it was people you know explaining it back to you like what other um well so i had it was like a lack of sleep that i think eventually that led to it and i you know i was having like no sleep for i always say weeks or months you know like very little sleep and i was up writing 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 and i i chronicle this in my book beautiful wreck sex lies and suicide <laughs> um, <laughs> that I, you know, I'd be up at night writing because I'm a journalist and a writer, and just writing stuff. And I was, I have this. I actually still have it, like this psychotic play that I wrote on little paper from my old job that I quit, like really in a rage. I yeah. quit it in a rage, and I had this little, I don't know, desk stationery that was like, you know, like index card size, and I was writing this play on it. I had this big stack of it. It's just like loony wow. stuff, you know, crazy stuff. Call us crazy. Call us crazy. <laughs> exactly. It was crazy. And then it just one one night I just like, whoa, it was like you just really it yeah. was just, you know. And then what was the the recovery process there? I mean, did you go into the hospital? So I mean I was I had been in therapy this by the okay. way, this whole time, even when I was with the abusive person and you know, just unuseful sure. um professionals. Professionals. <laughs> um so I, I actually made an appointment with my then therapist, and then she got me to a psychiatrist who then diagnosed me, and who I saw okay. for, the, for about 13 years, and he was great, um, really, really great with actually working with me with medication, because I've been through all of them. And that's when you, okay, so at the time of your psychiatric break, were you on any medication? I was only on what, that, that Haldol and the okay. um, Clonopin. Got it. Right, right. And... Um, yeah, he really worked with me, like to titrate the meds down to the nth degree. And I know that's a big issue of taking yeah. medication is, you know, will it flatten my affect? Will it affect my creativity? Am I taking too much of it? Am I taking too little? And he worked with me to get down to the, you know, very, the very least that was effective for me. Right. And there needs to be more of that because unfortunately there is a lack of uh, uh, diagnosis and a lack of prescribing. And then there's people who prescribe just they just throw like here just try this whatever and that's it and that doesn't work well up the dosage and that's it yeah and the gen like what you know a lot lot of psychiatrists or other doctors prescribe the standard dose which you know it's not a one-size-fits-all thing right by any means so and do you feel so right now you feel like your combination is working yeah i've been taking it for like 12 years the same thing and it's totally fine and dandy right it doesn't have to it doesn't have to take away your your personal your personality basically it doesn't have to you know take away your sex life or it doesn't have to take away your social interactions it just right right none of those yeah are you still seeing the same therapist are you still in therapy i am not in therapy well so i saw that psychiatrist for 13 years and then i i changed therapists many times all not good by the way um all all therapists are not good i think they have their own issues and i'm coming to find that out with the new project i'm working on that i can talk about (laughs) later um but i did get a referral to three psychiatrists three therapists they were all psychologists one two didn't want to see me because i i actually have also some suicide attempts in my past so bipolar with suicide attempts they don't want they don't want anybody committing suicide on the watch the last the other one which i kept calling calling finally called me back and said, why, why won't anyone see you? And it took me nine months to get someone to see me after I was in a hospital for a suicide attempt. Right. She said, oh my God, come in. Why won't anyone see you? You need that some seems help. seems terribly unethical. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and no one would even it's refer crazy. me to anyone. They'd just say, you know, this is, no. This is crazy. So yeah, I saw this therapist for eight years and she really helped me pull it all together right. and get better. 
and just come to a point in my life where number one, I can talk about it, but also grow and be healthy and I'm in a healthy relationship, you know, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can you speak to, I'm trying to remember, we've had someone on the show before who spoke to bipolar disorder. Yes? Yes. Or no? I can't remember <laughs> who. We're not good um, historians of our own show. But, I mean, I just always love and, you know, to hear... Crazy stories? No, no, no. <laughs> just to, for you to speak in your own words about what it feels like, you know? Because I think that's one of the things that's hardest for people who are not living with a disorder to understand. It's like you hear or you see things or you see the sensationalized version right. of it. Like, oh, you're bipolar, so you're, like, shaving your head and, like, throwing umbrellas through windows <laughs> right. like Britney Spears 2008. You know, whatever. Like, you only see the sensationalized. But right. what are sort of the day-to-day, -day, like, what, you know? I mean, right, like, right now and for the last, like dozen years i've been pretty stable kind of hypomanic stable like just nice with a nice amount of energy um and just you know existing like a normal person but yeah i mean the depression was so low that you know, again suicide attempts like i just wanted to not exist and the, the i've only really the, the psychotic break was my only manic episode oh interesting so you know and that's i guess for bipolar one is um you know, it's like you only have one episode or, you know, once once in a while or something. Right, and right. Bipolar 2 is kind of the up and down that oh, all keeps the time. on going all the time. I have to admit, I don't even think I realized that. Yeah, that so, there are two different classifications. Okay, yeah, so you just so I the just, one. I'm pretty stable. And although one time I did have to get off my Abilify, which is the antipsychotic that I take, and um, because I couldn't afford it. Oh, and I couldn't oh, get it from the another big problem with the system. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't get it from the pharmaceutical company that, that used to, before, you know, Obamacare, offer... It for low-income people. I wasn't low-income, but I also didn't have insurance. Right. Um, so there was a catch-22 there, and so I went off it for like three or four months, and it was kind of a nightmare. I just right. couldn't couldn't shut up. Just felt really irritable. Um, just was kind of, was kind of nasty. I was kind of nasty to yeah. everybody concerned, and um, just not feeling myself and feeling kind of being pulled back to that when I was really in that psychotic episode or the the psychotic state of being and right. it felt it felt it felt terrible especially right. no be more cognizant of what it was sure. and right. knowing that I didn't really have to be there right if only I could get my medication it's, and it's a huge problem oh yeah um, even now with you know a little bit of more health care to get medication and yeah. pharmaceutical company collusion with uh, For the sure. insurance companies and all right. that, that I could talk about forever because people also don't realize yeah it's not you don't just uh, go off cold turkey and like, well, you're going to have a couple of bad days, but mm. then you'll be better. No, it's not like that. It's a, it's a it's tough, ongoing. tough process. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So for you, the depression is the main result of the, that's how the bipolar yeah. manifests itself. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and then have you, I mean, uh, it seems like almost everyone that comes on has some experience with depression as a result of mm -hmm. usually whatever else they're dealing with but again for you can you describe like the ways like any times that stand out in your mind as like the lowest point a hard point or anything that you sort of can ever do to quote unquote I mean not talk yourself out of it is a bad way but do you have any sort of like methods or mantras or go-to's like 
Well, I don't have, I don't really have depression anymore, but like, I know I get blue once in a while and I, and I get concerned that people are like, oh, she's depressed. And like, I'm just, no, I'm just regular, not feeling well. Yeah. Like anybody else. But one thing that does stand out in my mind, I had a job interview after law school and it was for editing gig at a magazine and I canceled it three times because I couldn't even get out of bed. I'm oh, surprised wow. they even, and I got the job. I can't even believe, oh, wow. I know, I can't even believe they rescheduled it so many times. Um, and I, I was like, I mean, in bed, uh, reaching to the phone, like I can't make it for whatever excuse right. I had. And can we reschedule it? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> three times in a row. Right. And I got the job. That's awesome. And wonderfully now, I mean, it because it's it's every not to say people can't handle it alone, but if you have a partner, hopefully who not necessarily in the psychiatric community, right. um, who is very supportive and patient with whatever you're going through and the ups and downs. And I think you need a team. You kind of need friends, a and friends, family, or what, whatever it is that you need. In addition to you know mental health professionals, if that's what you want, um, I know people who don't want to deal with mental health professionals, and that's totally legit too, but I think right. they have a support team or a support network, totally. social and friendship and familial or something that they can go to to get support. Right. Absolutely. How's it? So, well, the, you're in a relationship now, you said? Mm-hmm. And how long have you been? We've been together eight years. Okay. And so, when that, when you met, when you started, how long into getting to know someone do you wait to bring it up? Does it come up organically? Do you, I feel like anytime <laughs> that people get involved with the Tread Association, as like we have right. sort of like young adult meetups right. once a month, it's just kind of like always be welcome you know, have like a once a month sort of place that people can come if they want to get involved with the organization. And so often I feel like that's the question people ask the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, I was, so I was single for a couple of years and single and dating and it was always an issue. When do I bring it up, this yeah. and that. And was it a source of anxiety for you? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of like, hey, if you don't like me, sure, you know, just flake off, you know. Of course. <laughs> and especially if it's because of bipolar disorder or Tourette's, which is less... Um, you know, if you don't want to go out with me because I have bipolar disorder, you know, fuck off. But, right, you um, don't need you don't need that. Yeah, so, need of course. Um, but so the person, Lisa, her name is. She's an actor. Um, hi, Lisa. And hi, Lisa. <laughs> and <laughs> and I actually met her at a play. She's also a playwright, and I met her at a play that she I had gone as press. She was putting on her play, and um, I was interviewing her for. A magazine article. So I met, you know, we, we met a couple times. I was interviewing her and I'm like, oh, I better write this article really fast so I can turn it in and ask her out. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh, you, so you went the professional route. Yes, I was get, very get professional. Get it done first. And then, yeah, yeah. So I met the article. <laughs> um, and I asked her out and I think before we even went, went to dinner, I said, hey, here's an article that I wrote and it was based on something I'd written in the hospital. Like when I was in a locked ward for a weekend, oh, wow. I was like, "Hey, read this, and see what you th- let t- and, and tell me what you think." And she, I think I can admit that she has depression, so she wasn't so foreign to this kind sure. of thing. Um, and she's just like, "Oh, okay, but you, see, but I know you've been okay for a very long time. This is a, this was in like two, I think my last suicide attempt, last and final." Um, was in 2005 and this okay. was now like 2008 right and she's like I know this is behind you and even if something happens that will you know it's like I mean this is later in the relationship you know we'll deal with it 
Yeah. So. Right. And you could be there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And a level that you could understand. And also we weren't, you know, just asking someone out and going to dinner and, you know, whatever else happens at that time. She's like, you know, this isn't like, we're not locked into a relationship, you know? Sure. Yeah. So it's fine for now. (laughs) Seems like it's it's been fine. Your psychotic story is fine. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think like, well, and what about, well, Evan just got married, by the way. Oh. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. A round of one applause. (laughs) Thank you. Um, um, yeah. So for you, how does it play into like when you were dating or even when you met your now I think wifey? Just like initially, like on a date, if I'm going to, you know, Purell my hands and I'll go off to the, to the bathroom, excuse myself. Uh, I might mention it casually. And then if things are going well, if there are other dates, you know, bring it up a little more. Mention casually, just like oh, I have OCD, blah blah blah, right. but not like and, deep diving. And if it, it and like as it as it happens, like with my wife, I eventually when we got serious, I was like, okay, it's more you know, I appreciate your patience. I know it can be kind of uh, annoying or distracting, right. but I guess don't ask why. Just sort of let it be and that you know yeah because i could you know if you ask why i'll have to explain at great length all the time right if you can <laughs> exactly. just, and she's You're very good about just uh understanding and if she sees that i'm getting you know i'm on medication and therapy but if she sees that i'm getting it's getting really bad she'll be okay what can i do for you to right you know yeah, you support. need that support. Totally. Well, that's my last ex. I'm now, I mean, we've been broken up a couple of years, still friends. But um, we got together a little bit because of this show, because Evan and I used mm. to do Call Us Crazy as a live, just like a stand-up show. And we'd mm. invite, you know, our comic friends to come on and they would do a set basically about whatever their diagnosed disorder was. And um, I did a show with my ex and, you know, we hadn't seen, we didn't know each other that well. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, you're Chelsea you do that show, Call Us Crazy, I'd love to be on, like, I have OCD, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He's like, I just, like, love the idea, because, like, I let you know, I mean to write more about it and talk more about it, so that was a funny little, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, you have OCD? I have Trent. Let's, like, be dysfunctional together. So yeah, exactly. But I don't necessarily bring it up unless, I still feel like it qu- kind of organically will come up, not even because I'm ticking necessarily, but just in talking about what I do or whatever. Right, right. I just feel like somehow, whether it's, like, Oh, I have a board meeting next week for the nonprofit that I sit on the board of. Oh, what is it? Oh, the Trade Association. Or oh, you. I am doing a podcast this weekend. Oh, what is it? You know, and and I like that because I feel like it just. Okay. I like to talk okay. about okay. it, and I, I like to yeah let someone know that it is something that's a part well, of my I, life. I will just say, uh, as I like to joke, and I told my wife, I'm like, you know, I was really into when I if you're going to bed and I could trust you to ha- say that the stove is off. And I don't need to check. I don't need to double check it myself. <laughs> it's a good one. You know it's real. I love that. Um, so what else? What else is going on in your life, Stephanie? Um, so I'm working on a new project. Uh, oh, yeah. That is an anthology called LGBTQ Writers and Artists on Mental Illness, and it runs a, and so it's a lot of people with lived experience. That's a, that's the new term of art for consumers Got it. of mental health. Um, as well as clinicians, and it's interesting that all the consumers got in their stuff on time, or they told us they were behind, or I'm co-editing it with uh, someone, and it's called Teresa. Her name is Teresa Theofano, so I give her a shout out. Hi, Teresa. Um, and all the consumers got their stuff in on time. Said they were going, said what they were going to do. They did it, 
And we've just been working with clinicians recently, and I mean, they're crazy. <laughs> and, um, you know, the consumers was be, like, I'm in the hospital, I can't get it to you till I get out, this and that. You know, I, we, we have to check in with the clinicians every month to say, hey, are you even still doing it? Where's your stuff? Yeah. And, you know, oh, my cat died. Oh, this. I got in a car wreck. Oh, this. And not that it's not real, but, like, they didn't tell us that they right. were dropping out of the right, right, anthology. Right. And it's like, we're counting on you. We right. only, you know, right. like, we oh chose you on the basis of your proposal or whatever. And, like, now you're not even coming through and you're not telling us. You know, having issues is one thing. Having not being able to do it, but not telling us. So it was right. so telling interesting. Us. Everyone's the worst. No. Everyone's garbage. That's my life. <laughs> Everyone's garbage. The garbage so, emoji is on garbage. my what most the, used. What the kids call the ghosting. They're ghosting out of it. <laughs> yeah, they ghosted yeah, exactly. it. They ghosted out. Exactly. And it was kind of. I mean, you know, I have my own ideas, as everyone does, about you know mental health professionals and why they get into the you know the the realm that realm anyway, but. Yeah, this is yeah. quite the experience in yeah. doing that. Uh, so then, well, where does it stand now? We're sending in a. So we're working with an editor, Oxford University Press. It's not. We don't have a contract with them. We're not like really affiliated with them, except we're working with an editor who wants to see a proposal, and we're giving it to him at the end Got of it. this month. Well, good luck. Excellent. Thank you. This yeah, that's is- awesome. Um, one question that we always like to ask everybody: If you could snap your fingers and be yeah. a, have all of your disorders fly away like or that have it never have happened no and why i think it's made me grow as a person but also i um it's been quite the wild ride it's it's interesting and i wouldn't have a book i wouldn't have the second book yeah i wouldn't have i just want to have the experience i had i don't think i don't think like oprah style that i needed it to happen to me to grow or to (sighs) Mature, oh, you know, well, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, you have to have these horrible experiences to, to yeah. grow and mature. But in the way my life has unfolded, um, yeah, I don't think I would have taken it away. Totally. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I always say I don't know what I would think about all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what would be even happening? What would my life even be? I can't envision it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes it, it makes it not boring, you know, for sure. Right. Totally. It, it, yeah. Keeps you it moving. So where can people learn more about you? So where can they find you on they the interwebs? They can find me on my website at beautifulrec.com. Great. Any Twitter? Any Snapchat? Do you do the Snapchat? I know. I've tried. I, 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 once in a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little on the edge of olderness to be in the Snapchat <laughs> area. It is. It does skew pretty young. I just started doing it, and then I read someone sent me a BuzzFeed article about like how kids who are like 12 use Snapchat. Oh yeah. And it might as well have been a different app. I was like, you can do that. On? I was like, what? I have it. That's I don't know what to do with it. it. Yeah, it's I don't. So I don't know. bizarre. Uh, and anything else that you want to mention or plug? Um, I, I do have a Twitter and I do have Instagram, Steph S nine ten. Great. I'm also on Facebook, both as Beautiful Rec and as Stephanie Schroeder. Find me. A lot of my readers do contact me through social media, so Great. buy my book. Buy the or, book. Or, yes. Buy the book. Beautiful Rec, Sex Lies and Suicide. Thank it you. is a, a great book and it's as as we're trying to do, it's very it's good to let people know that you know you are not alone with this basically yeah, right absolutely come out the other side and also I, before we wrap it up today we haven't been persuading our listeners to go check us out on iTunes and rate us review us <laughs> so you guys listening if you enjoy this podcast which I, I mean at least two of you have reached out and said you do 
So Thank if you, you're mom. out there, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks to both of our moms. No, but it really helps us out. And any podcast you enjoy, this one or otherwise, definitely check it out on iTunes, subscribe, rate us, review us, even constructive criticism, anything. But by virtue of rating us and reviewing us, it just helps us come up in searches and be more accessible and help people find us more. So if you enjoy this, we'd really appreciate it. And you can also, we're on Twitter at Call Us Crazy we are. Pod. We're on Facebook, call us crazy. Uh, thank you so much, Stephanie, yes, thank for you, coming Stephanie out. Schroeder. Thank You're you. You're the best. Happy Mental Health Month, everybody. Go out and celebrate <laughs> your mental health or lack thereof. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat. The podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!